the maximum to tolerate dose chemotherapy, which is used to achieve longevity, right? It's going to war on the cancer. But what it's doing, it's destroying legacy, okay? It's destroying the immune system. We, we, we recognize the concept of what it's doing there. And so with that, it's creating this environment that can destroy that tumor, but it also destroys the legacy because it creates the, the reason why it spreads. That in turn, destruction then destroys longevity. So the very treatment that is used to provide longevity is actually destroying the legacy of the immune system. And what that's doing is turning right around and destroying longevity. Welcome to the Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. I'm the medical director at Brio Medical in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am both a conventionally trained and licensed medical doctor as well as a licensed medical homeopathic doctor. This podcast is your resource for a scientific-based discussion of all things cancer and beyond from a natural, holistic, and integrated perspective. It's time to teach the body how to heal. So here we go. Welcome to the RADFest 2023 and welcome to Anaheim, California. You know, I can see why people love California. It is, we're sitting outside, here it is, early September, 2023. Of course, we got a little shade, got the beautiful, just, you know, palm trees, got flowers, and, you know, the film producer before was running from a spider. So, Andres, you know, I think you uh, took care of that. But, uh, you know, I can see why people love California. It's beautiful. And we're here because we're fo focusing on longevity. See, that's the that's a word that you're going to be hearing a lot these days. There's a lot of very prominent conferences around the the country and around the world that are focusing on this concept on this word longevity. And I'm speaking tomorrow about that, but I'm going to provide a little bit of a different tilt on that. And it's one of legacy, not longevity. And I so I wanted to I wanted to flesh that out here on this podcast because you're going to see a lot more and hear a lot more about longevity. And I think what we see in the world of integrative cancer is a misdirected approach to longevity. So I'll be speaking uh, at the A4M in December on longevity versus legacy as well there. So look for that word, but let's define what this is, because I think that's what's really important. When people talk about longevity, there's the assumption of quality associated with that. Of course, everybody wants to live a long life. I don't think anybody that says they want to live a short life, and I think it's admirable to want to live a long life. But simply saying you want to live a long life, longevity, a vector, a number, does that equate to high quality? What are the sacrifices that you make to achieve that longevity? What uh, destruction might you perform or undergo to achieve that longevity? And of course, we always focus on the aspects and the effects on us, uh, the personal, but is there the potential that what we're doing to achieve longevity, that that's having an impact in our legacy. See, that's what got me to thinking about longevity versus legacy. Because there's examples that I'm gonna to touch on in just a little bit, and how when we seek longevity through the treatment of cancer in a conventional route, specifically I'm gonna talk about chemotherapy, we actually not only affect our individual leg legacy, on both a microcellular and a macro body-wide, tissue-wide, organ-wise, but we're also having a legacy on our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and on. So the two are intertwined. You know, it's very interesting that they really, if you look at them, longevity and legacy, they're, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. They, they shouldn't have a relationship, yet they do, and that's why it's, it's a paradox. They work together, but they shouldn't. So it's, it's a balance of paradox. It's really, it's really interesting. So what is longevity? 
Well, again, everything I think looking at a word and defining a word is looking at the history of the word. What, you know, what does it mean? And of course, you know me and etymology is what I, I like to look at when I look at words about what the history of it means. And so the etymology of longevity goes back to the 16th century. So this is not a new concept. And it's really just two words, longus and avium, which mean long and age. So bringing them together, it's long age. And so when you look at longevity, that's, that's really what it's focusing on is achieving long age. And again, completely admirable. But I think it is a misguided, misguided and misdirected focus because just focusing on, say, money, just focusing on career, there can be great sacrifices that can ensue. There can be great destruction that can ensue. You can destroy a family. You can destroy your life in seeking these things. Likewise, you can seek longevity and do the same destruction, but not just to your body, but as I mentioned, something that will last an infinite number of generations. I think studies will show uh, that it's a lot, a lot longer lasting than what we even realize. So let's use a recent current events to highlight that. The last three to four years of the pandemic. What we're seeing to today, just example, I read an article this morning talking about the workforce, looking at men in the workforce. Men in their 20s and 30s are at one of their lowest participation uh, in the workforce in recent memory. And the authors of this article were talking about it was referencing to the recent pandemic. So what happened during the pandemic, which understand what they were trying to achieve there was longevity, right? I mean, they were trying to preserve life, but what they're leaving is a legacy here of you know, young men not entering the workforce. So sometimes, again, when we're misguided in our approach to longevity, I think we're gonna set up a legacy of something it's not what we want. So what's legacy? Interestingly enough, the origin of the word legacy predates that of longevity. So I guess if the argument was just about which came first, you know, you know argument done, legacy wins because it, was, it, it originated in the 14th century. So some 200 years before longevity. So if you just look at it, which, you know, which really intro, introduced itself into the vernacular, it was legacy that predated longevity. Legacy comes from word meaning, uh, a word legacia, which is a body of persons, a group of people, that are sent on a mission. Now that's the noun. The action would be any actions, the verb, excuse me, would be any actions that are helping that group of people or body of people to in support and to achieve that mission. So it's really interesting. You could say that longevity is itself a mission, right? A mission of number and admirable, fair enough. You know, for me, I, I, I hope to live a long, life, long age, but I want it to be high quality. Everybody diagnosed with, it could be cancer, could be autoimmune disease, take your pick. Everybody wants long age, but when they want that long age, the implication, the, the implied benefit there is high quality. And I think legacy really helps us to achieve that high quality, but also longevity in that mutual relationship. So legacy is something that predates longevity, but it's also something that equates to a benefit internally, because if we achieve a legacy of healing with one cell, what I tell patients with cancer is look at it this way. What we wanna do is we wanna tilt the balance. There's a process in the body called um, immunoequilibrium. And what this, is, what this concept is, is where the immune system basically can actually keep the cancer in check. There's three E's. There's equilibrium, 
where the immune system keeps cancer in check. The cancer doesn't go away, but it keeps the cancer in check. It basically creates a balance. There's elimination. That's where the immune system is it's winning the battle, if you will, and it's eliminating the cancer. And then there's escape. That's where the immune system is either suppressed or the cancer is growing so fast, the cancer is escaping the, uh, the protective role of the immune system. And so when we're looking at legacy, sometimes the impact in cancer from a healing perspective is let's just get one cell healthy that then becomes a legacy of two, that becomes a legacy of four, and then eight, and then 16. So now what you got and what you're creating is an exponential healing approach. Now, it definitely would take more time, right? And that's one of the things that we in Western culture don't tend to, to you know, lend ourselves well to, which is something that's slow, but nonetheless achieving the right direction. But that is the process of legacy, building a legacy on a micro level. But then what that will do is that'll build a legacy on a macro level within tissue of the body within organs of the body and then extrapolate that out to the individual okay that's a legacy example on both a micro and macro level within one individual and we'll talk about the impact of chemotherapy from a full dose perspective that is a conventional approach and its effect on the individual with legacy but then we'll also talk about that as it relates to the future generations of legacy, okay? And being 52 now, you know, father for, uh, married to a, a wonderful, beautiful lady for 32 years now, you start to think about your legacy. And I see my children as our legacy. They will be that which exists beyond when I'm no longer here. My impact in this world be, will be left through the impact that I've had in my children. Yes, my legacy is in part with me right now, but the longer impact is going to be the legacy that occurs in my children, one day my grandchildren, and so on and so forth. So when we look at longevity and legacy, they are really, again, on different ends of the spectrum, but they absolutely tie together because legacy helps to achieve longevity. And I think in many aspects of what happens today is people just seeking longevity, you can destroy legacy on both a micro and macro level. So another thing that got me to thinking about longevity versus legacy was an article I read some time ago. I think it was in Tennessee. And it was an article where they were, this person was interviewing a couple that had been married for 65 years. And I've talked about this several times, but the premise of this article was that when couples have been together a long time, they basically function as one brain, you know, compensating for each other's weaknesses and strengths, becoming a left-right brain relationship. So this, this particular couple had been married for 65 years. And so I thought that the, the author of this article was actually brilliant in what they did. Because what they did is they interviewed each of the, the husband and the wife separately, asked them the same questions, and then brought them back together to ask them the same questions. And one of the questions that stuck out to me that applies here is, how did you achieve this longevity of marriage? 65 years, I mean, that is admirable. I look at 32 years and I'm amazed at how long we've been together, my wife and I, and I think, wow, 33 more years. Lord willing, I hope, I pray. But each person, husband and wife here in this interview, their answers were very similar to each other, but in their own words. Each day, it was a commitment to each other. Each day it was a commitment to the relationship of each other. And I remember reading it, the, I can't remember if it was a husband and wife, they said, well, we had some good days in that commitment. We had some bad days, some good weeks and some bad weeks in that commitment. 
but it was every day a commitment to that relationship. And, and so what they wanted out of that relationship, right, was longevity. But it was a commitment to the quality. It was a commitment of the legacy of that relationship that has given them that longevity of 65 years. And it's really interesting when you look at couples that have stayed married for a long time, they tend to pass off that legacy in their children. So in many ways, legacy is learned and inherited, but it can be used in this example of the marriage for longevity. But it, pro it provided a solution when things were tough. It provided a balance when things were great. And it helped them to get through all aspects of life to achieve 65 years of marriage. So kudos to the author of that article. And again, now I think like six, seven years ago, but great article, great article. Assumption. I think everybody kind of knows what that word is. You know, it says it makes an ass out of you and an ass out of me. Assumption, I think, is when we look at something like longevity and we assume that it's high quality. When we look at, well, I want to live to be 95 and we assume that from 87 to 95, I'm going to be out walking. I'm going to be out living life as I hope to live it. But the assumption there is not built on data. And, and in fact, what we know about aging is that with aging comes decline. And that is in part what aging is. It's just the, the natural decline of dysfunction. Of course, it starts at a molecular level, builds into a, that's so it starts at a micro level, builds into a bigger level, tissue, organs, becomes a macro process of aging that we see in skin, we see in hair color, we see in knee pain and back pain and and all those things that we like to see, but we cannot assume that longevity equals legacy, quality. Here's another example, not just looking at the word assumption, because we want to focus on results. And I want you to understand why it's important to focus on legacy and not longevity. Football season has started, so college football started off last weekend, go Vols, and uh, they'll play Florida in a couple weeks, so go Vols. And uh, look at a kicker, field goal kicker. You know, every field goal kicker goes up there to kick that winning field goal, and they, they see themselves making it. They believe themselves to make it, because if they don't, they're going to miss it. They're going to shank it. But if they believe, if they see themselves making it, they have a better chance of actually making that happen. I mean, the whole field of sports medicine is built on that concept. See it and then achieve it. Well, if we just look at it from a longevity perspective, just take the field goal, uh, field goal kicker and line him up for a 50-yard field goal at the end of the game, and he kicks it 50 yards. The distance does not equate to the result he wants, right? He could kick it straight. He could kick it, hook it left. He could kick it, slice it right, and still kick it 50 yards, and yet miss the field goal and the team loses. But he has to take that number, 50, 50 yards, and he has to add high quality to it. The, the line has to block. The snap has to be fast. His steps have to be quick. His foot swing has to be right. To bring all that together, that's legacy, to then provide the quality that matches that length. That's what will put that ball through the uprights. So it shows you how taking attention to details and building the legacy, which is the components of that process. Because when you look at a field goal kicker, okay, who, who taught the field goal kicker? Uh, another field goal kick, kicker. Who taught that field goal kicker? Uh, another field goal kicker. Legacy passed down of training, of mental, of physical, bringing it together to achieve that longevity that provided results. So that's one example. So say you're not a football fan. What about uh, pitching? 
because you know it's September and so uh, Major League Baseball is in full spring, a uh, full swing. And uh, my son-in-law, new son-in-law now, about three months, he loves the new New York Yankees. So uh, Zach, I'm sorry, they're not having a great year this year. But um, the number 100 miles per hour of a fastball, everybody geeks out about that. And that's a fast fastball. So you can see a pitcher up in the mound throwing a 100 mile an hour fastball. So that's longevity. It's a focus on a number. It's a vector. But this is interesting because if that vector is not applied appropriately, if it's not directed correctly, a 100 mile an hour baseball definitely could strike somebody out. But misdirected, it could actually be a weapon. So a pitcher throwing a 100 mile an hour fastball with no control, with no quality, can actually hurt somebody. Not just themselves, but hurt others around them, the batter, the catcher, the umpire. So it's important that the, pit, the coach training the pitcher and the coach before him training that coach through a legacy of training, through a legacy of mental training, of physical training, of physical performance, take that vector, that longevity, that 100 miles an hour, and provide the legacy through that process to provide a strike and not a weapon. Now, you may go, well, these are kind of you know, esoteric or unique examples, but I think what they portray and what they provide for you is why the focus needs to be on, long, on legacy. Because if you focus on lo legacy, longevity will come. It will come. But focusing on longevity does not equate to personal legacy on a micro-macro level or to a legacy passed on. So I mentioned earlier that longevity and legacy really are a paradox of focus. They appear potentially related. And they, they part, and partly are, but one cannot assume that they are completely related. They are polar opposites of the spectrum, but the relationship exists when it shouldn't, and that's what makes it a paradox. And the focus is because of the misguided focus. Each one's gonna be a focus, but guiding, guiding our focus on one area can negate the other. We focus on longevity, we may lose a legacy. We focus on a legacy, we're gonna build, a, we're gonna build longevity. So I think focusing right out of the gate helps to build the longer term benefit. So let's tie this to integrative cancer because you know, at Brio Medical, where I'm medical director, we are a natural, holistic, and integrative cancer healing center. It, there's no better thing to do than walk into that clinic and see those patients build a micro and macro level of legacy. But here's where the literature steps in and creates a uh-oh moment. What if the therapy used to treat and provide to treat cancer, but the purpose there is to provide longevity, right? What if that treatment actually destroyed legacy and destroyed longevity itself? So let's look at maximum to tolerated dose chemotherapy. That is from a conventional standpoint, that's full dose chemotherapy. Recognize that there are really two different strategies to the use of chemotherapy. Chemo being chemical and therapy being the therapy using that chemical. Number one is maximum to tolerated dose chemotherapy. Most, you know, better stated is full dose chemotherapy. That's the conventional approach. It's, it's going to war on cancer. It's taking the concept of war, which is where chemotherapy was born of, bringing it out of history as war. Again, it was, it was uh, basically born out of World War II it's called Little Pearl Harbor. Check it out uh, in the history books. That's where chemotherapy had its origin, its birth. Then Nixon declared war in 1971. 
So we, they took the same vernacular where that which birthed chemotherapy and then used that to drive the words around how we describe cancer to today. But that, that began in 1971. I mean, President Nixon gave a declaration of war of cancer. So chemotherapy, in one way or another, is an instrument of war. Now, when you look at war, of course, there's the battlefield, the battlefront. And the thing about war is it's, it's terrible even when armies are involved, when people die that way. But there's collateral damage, right? There's innocent bystanders that are killed. So there's the battle line, there's the battle front, and there's then the collective battlefield that intended and that not intended. What has happened since Nixon declared war in 1971 is that the, the shift of chemotherapy from the battlefield of war in World War II has just shifted to the battlefield of the body. The battlefield of the body. So just as what you would see in World War II on the battlefield or World War I or Vietnam or Korean War, we have the enemies opposed to each other. The treatment, cancer. So we have the battlefield where there's the smoke, there's the death, there's the, the death, the, there is the destruction that you would expect to see in that conflict. So when chemotherapy kills cancer cells, there is smoke, there is fire, there is inflammation. You see the swelling, there's the pain, there's all of that. It is the fog of war that you see in that. But then there's the collateral damage. There is the destruction of the healthy cells, the damage of the healthy tissue, the liver dysfunction, the neuropathy, all of that that's a byproduct of that war concept. So you see that in war in general, you see that in war in the treatment of cancer using full-dose chemotherapy. And so that concept of war continues to permeate. And that's why I say we need a different approach to the treatment of cancer today. One that throws aside this concept of war and focuses on healing. But the concept of full-dose chemotherapy is not the only therapeutic option. There is something called low-dose metronomic chemo. And that's clearly defined as using a dose of chemotherapy about 10 to 30%. And what's interesting about the lower dose is you actually expand the anti-cancer benefit. There was a recent study in 2020 that showed how they used low-dose metronomic chemo versus maximum tolerated dose chemotherapy to actually reduce the hypoxia associated with metastasis. So the lower dose metronomic chemo in this study was actually reducing the signaling that promoted, that resulted from hypoxia that then promoted metastasis, whereas the full dose chemo did not. So that ties into the war concept and the maximum to tolerate dose chemotherapy concept that then ties into legacy and longevity. See, the evidence is very, very clear. And check out the the podcast, the triad that I talked about, the unholy trinity of chemotherapy, which is one of surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. So check that out there because I go into much greater detail there. But the evidence is very clear that maximum to tolerate dose chemotherapy changes the tumor microenvironment, promotes epithelial to mesenchymal transition. It promotes cancer cell escape, immune cell escape, promotes circulating tumor cell increase, release, and survival of circulating tumor cells and promotes a favorable environment for the metastatic spread of cancer. One author from a study actually highlighted it this way. He said, quote, despite reducing the size of primary tumors, chemotherapy changes the tumor microenvironment, resulting in an increased escape of cancer cells into the bloodstream. Furthermore, chemotherapy changes the tissue microenvironment at the distant sites making it more hospitable to cancer cells upon their arrival. That was an article entitled Chemotherapy Exacerbated Breast Cancer Metastasis, a Paradox Explained by Dysregulated Adaptive Response. So what they're showing there is that the maximum to tolerate dose chemotherapy, which is used to achieve longevity, right? It's going to war on the cancer, but what it's doing, it's destroying legacy. Okay? It's destroying the immune system. We, we, we recognize the concept of what it's doing there. And so with that, it's creating this environment that can destroy that tumor, but it also destroys the legacy because it creates the, the reason why it spreads. That in turn, destruction then 
destroys longevity. So the very treatment that is used to provide longevity is actually destroying the legacy of the immune system. And what that's doing is turning right around and destroying longevity. That's maximum to tolerated dose chemotherapy. So, so that's why I and others and why we at Brio use low dose metronomic chemotherapy. So here's a quote from another article, the article that I quoted about the hypoxia and full dose chemo versus low dose chemo. Quote, it improves, that is low dose metronomic chemo, it improves oxygenation and decreases cancer dissemination in two of the most common cancer types, here it's colorectal and breast, while adding another tool to the armor, to the armatorarium, I can't even spell that right, to the tool shed, if you will, aimed at improving survival. So taking the concept of chemotherapy, using it low dose, expands the anti-cancer benefit, preserves legacy, builds legacy, provides longevity, and doesn't destroy it. So we can take something that exists, like that football kicker, and bring it together in legacy and build longevity and put it through the uprights. We can also bring something together like, say, chemotherapy, use it low dose, and that in turn provides legacy and supports longevity. So looking at maximum tolerated dose chemotherapy as the example of longevity versus legacy and the need to focus on legacy to achieve long longevity, it brings me to an article talking about mortality and morbidity associated with cancer. The article has this quote, cancer metastasis is the major cause of morbidity and mortality and accounts for 90% of all cancer deaths. Metastasis is when cancer spreads from a tumor and goes to other areas of the body. So this author, as of many others, describing that over 90% of the reason why patients have the morbidity and all of the pain and suffering that we see associated with cancer, and then the death that we know can be associated with cancer, 90% of that is when cancer spreads. Now, why am I bringing that into this equation? Well, I just described how going to war on cancer, bringing the concept of war to cancer with maximum tolerated dose chemotherapy actually promotes the spread of cancer. Now, what I did is I talked about the micro perspective, that is the 30-foot perspective, the, the, the details, the fine details of, the, of what maximum tolerated dose chemotherapy is and does in that process of metastatic spread, which is changing the tumor microenvironment, promoting epithelial to mesenchymal change, which what that is is a cancer cell that's stable and becomes, becomes mobile. Um, it induces that hypoxia that promotes then all the aspects of glycolysis and everything else that promotes cancer's uh, growth and spread. Physical escape, immune system escape, circulating tumor cell increase, increased circulating tumor survival, and then actually prepping the distant soil for those distant circulating cells to land and survive. So that's the micro level. So going back to that micro macro level, we're now seeing that in the, the mechanisms of maximum to tolerate dose chemotherapy causing it spread because at the macro level, the 30,000 foot perspective, if you will, it increases metastasis, which this author says is the reason why nine out of 10 people have the pain and suffering and death associated with cancer. So the very treatment designed to achieve longevity destroys legacy on a micro macro level of the individual, but it does in a second, I'll show it in the legacy of that individual. So beyond metastasis, it causes immune dysfunction, immune suppression. That's one of the primary mechanisms. Again, check out that previous podcast on the unholy trinity of chemotherapy. It causes local recurrence and regrowth, secondary cancers, so brand new cancers, resistance to treatment, chemo resistance, activates stem cell activity. That's the backup we want no part of. And then it promotes epigenetic transgenerational inheritance of pathology. Now, what the heck is that? 
Well, epigenetics is the word that literally means above genetics. Our genome is our DNA. DNA is, it's hard fixed, it's hardwired. It takes thousands of years, if not millions, to change one genetic code, aspect of the code. Whereas we can make a simple choice, have a cup of coffee, change my genetic expression. Research shows that the choices we make, the food we eat, the things we put on our body, the things we put in our body, the life, the, the other choices we make, our relationships, these affect genetic expression. So it's not the code, it's not the higher wiring, it's the expression above that. That's where above genetics comes in. That's why it's called epigenetics. And so when we look at the concept of transgenerational inheritance of pathology, it ties into the legacy because what I've been focusing on is the morbidity and mortality associated with the individual. So when we look on longevity and legacy, we're looking at it within that one individual at the macro level, the cellular level, and the, mac the mac micro versus the macro, which is the whole body. But now what we're talking about is we're teasing that out to the micro being the individual with cancer and the macro being the legacy of their children, their grandchildren, and so on. So there's two studies I wanna highlight here that shows that not only is this a process of micro-macro of destroying longevity in the individual that's undergoing cancer treatment, full-dose chemo that is, that we're gonna see that in the legacy of their offspring. And again, it's gonna tie back around and say why we need legacy, not longevity. The first article looks at, it's called, um, I mentioned it earlier, um, which was um, the chemotherapy exacerbated breast cancer metastasis, a paradox explained by dysregulated adaptive response. This was actually one of the lead authors was from Albert Einstein College of Medicine. He said, despite reducing the size of primary tumors, chemotherapy changes the tumor microenvironment. And this results in an increased escape of cancer cells into the bloodstream. And the chemotherapy changes the tissue microenvironment at the distant sites. There's that distant preparation of the soil, making it more hospitable to cancer cells upon their arrival. It's prepping the distant sites. The reason is that standard chemotherapies here, they're looking at breast cancer, such as paclitaxel, doxorubicin, and cyclophosphamide, they affect the body's on-off ramps to the highway of metastasis. This was from the senior author of this study out of Albert Einstein University. So what he's saying here is that using the maximum tolerated dose chemotherapy created the on-off ramps that helps to develop the metastasis that on the micro macro level of the individual destroys legacy, but then destroys longevity. But what I'm about to show you is how we're gonna pass that on now to legacy of the offspring. So two studies I wanna highlight. The first study, let me get to it here. So before I jump into these two studies, there's two words I wanna highlight here intergenerational and transgenerational. Intergenerational is basically uh, one person that receives an effect and they pass it on to their offspring. So somebody that um, undergoes stress, it changes their genetic expression and they pass that off to their, their children. So it's that intergenerational, one to the next. But then there's transgenerational. That is the effect of stress that can be seen in generations down the line beyond that immediate uh, of that being affected to the immediate following. So it brings me to these two studies, transgenerational inheritance of pathology, because again, it's not just about longevity and the impact on legacy of the individual, it's that of our legacy. First one, it was 2022, examination of generational impacts of adolescent chemotherapy, iphosphamide, and potential for epigenetic transgenerational inheritance. Good grief. What that is saying, this study showed, is that one dose of chemotherapy here being iphosphamide also called ifex actually induced changes in the individual receiving it here animal model 
and it passed that on to their subsequent offspring. So one dose of chemotherapy changed genetic expression that then became inheritable, somatic, and this was passed on to the offspring of the mice in this model. Okay, so here we're seeing, and what they didn't see here is they didn't see, you know, death and destruction. What they saw is dysfunction. They saw infertility. And so one dose of chemotherapy on the war footing actually created an intergenerational dysfunction. You could say pathology, because if you have infertility there, a lot of people would see that as pathology, that's disease. But then a study that actually predated that one was from 2011. It was entitled Chemotherapy-Induced Transgenerational Effects in Mice. Now, this one looked at one dose of doxorubicin. Many of you that are aware of that drug, it's referenced and known well as the Red Devil. And there's good reason why, and this study kind of points to it. What they found in this study is that one dose of doxorubicin in this animal model didn't just cause dysfunction in the next generation. They followed it out to the sixth generation. And what they found is that it peaked between the fourth and sixth generation. See, what this highlights is that we need to have a legacy perspective. That's what my pastor says. We need to have a legacy perspective. It's one thing to focus on a legacy on a micro lab level of ourselves to achieve longevity. It's another to focus on legacy of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And one dose a full dose doxorubicin has a generational impact that peaks four to six generations. Now, this wasn't just an impact of dysfunction, as I mentioned, infertility. Listen to this. Here's a quote from this article. Surprisingly, the doxorubicin-induced effects in the ovaries, the cells, were transmitted transgenerationally. The most striking effects being observed in the G4 and G6, that's the fourth, the sixth generation. The G0 would be that being receiving the treatment. It increased rates of death neonatally, physical malformation, chromosomal abnormalities, and death of the mothers due to delivery complications. So in essence, one dose of chemotherapy in this animal model, working to achieve longevity, because that's how it's used in cancer, right? That's its approach. It destroyed, and I've showed you, it destroys the legacy of the individual metastasis, but here it's destroying the legacy out to the fourth to sixth generation, neonatal death, physical malformation, chromosomal abnormalities, and death to the mother. You know, it's really interesting. There's a famous quote attributed to Hippocrates, physician, heal thyself. Now, I think that quote is misdirected, just like we're talking about legacy versus longevity, because the, the objective and the role of a physician is to serve patients. So telling a physician to heal thyself seems to be a misdirected um, uh, approach to what we as physicians do. And I think updating that to physicians teach patients how to heal thyself is more appropriate. It really ties back into that relationship of doctor-patient and what the doctor's doing. But here, what we're seeing in these studies, what we're seeing in the article talking about how cancer creates a legacy of metastasis of the individual and legacy of death and destruction and malformation in future generations, it seems to me that maximum to tolerate dose chemotherapy is antithetical to what it means to be a physician and to incorporate the process of healing because it's not focusing on legacy. It's focusing on longevity. And to be blunt, it's creating a legacy of destruction. It's creating a legacy of malformation. It's creating a legacy of future just mayhem but it's because they're just focusing on longevity. 
And I would say it's worse than just misguided and misdirected. I would say it's actually apostate. That's a harsh word. But it's because the word physician in Hebrew, rofe, it means healer. Looking at healthy, the root word of healthy is heal. And Hippocrates said, physician, heal thyself. But as I mentioned, teach patients how to heal thyself. These three studies that I've mentioned, looking at personal legacy affecting longevity through metastasis, legacy of future generations, it's not healing. What we see in those examples is war, the effects of war. And so if we want to achieve longevity, we need to focus on legacy because we want to achieve both results. That's why I tell patients, look, if you're diagnosed with cancer, we definitely want to eliminate that tumor or tumors. That's our objective, yes, but we have another objective and that's to heal you and make you well. And so if we're introducing a therapy that destroys, you know, here's the interesting concept. Where in nature does it exist that your pathway to healing, your pathway to wellness is through destruction? Where does that exist? It doesn't, but yet that's the way we approach cancer. Your pathway to healing on the other side of destruction, that's where wellness comes in. And so everything I've described in these three studies is highlighting how that just is devoid of any reality. And in fact, it destroys legacy on an individual level and on a generational level. So what we need to do is focus on legacy. So here at the RADFEST, admirable, they're focusing on longevity. We need to focus on legacy. The A4M, focusing on longevity in December, we need to focus on legacy because we don't need to be so close-minded and think everything's just about us. Definitely, we want longevity for us, but at what cost? At what quality? By focusing on le legacy, not only do we provide the longevity for us, but we're gonna provide that for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And so being 52 now, my children, what legacy am I giving them? What legacy will they give their children? And what legacy will that then pass on? So I've focused on transgenerational inheritance of pathology of disease. Sir Isaac Newton has a famous quote, for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Or Herman Hesse said, for every true statement there's an opposite one that is also true. We always tend to focus on the negative, right? talking about full-dose chemo and actually creating a transgenerational inheritance of disease and destruction, four to five to six generations. But looking at these two statements, there has to be, the, the opposite has to be true as well, which is if we can make choices that impact future generations, that create a legacy of destruction, destruction we can make choices that turn around and create a legacy personally and future generationally of one of wellness. Kind of, kind of back to that paradox of focus. Let's focus on wellness. Let's focus on legacy. Let's focus on hope. Let's focus on truth. Let's not focus on death and destruction and fear. So in closing, it, it's not that people that want to live long is bad. Again, that is in and of itself a mission, which again, legacy is a group of people working together for a common mission. But it's just a misguided, misdirected mission. It's just a number, just a vector. And what I've shown through this discussion is what we need is a refocus on legacy because in that we can get rid of this never-ending war one that is war on the conventional battlefield that then becomes war on the body and shift it to one of healing one of wellness 
because it's one focused on hope, one focused on truth, one focused on legacy. And that's how we achieve a individual longevity and one that provides a legacy of longevity. And I believe that's what it means to be a physician. And I think that's where our focus needs to be redirected. So thank you for joining me here in the beautiful Anaheim as my phone's been going off absolutely nonstop. But thank you for joining me as I've been discussing longevity versus legacy. And I hope you've been able to um, you know, learn about why we need a change of refocus, of redirection in the treatment of cancer, like what we provide at Brio Medical, a natural, holistic, and integrative healing, which is one that promotes legacy and achieves as a byproduct of that longevity. If you like this podcast, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast because a lot of people watch the podcast. We have a growing number of people. Thank you very much but I encourage you to sign up for this so that you're notified as soon as we drop a new podcast. And we try to drop these every other week. Sometimes we have specials where we, we interview a special guest and so we drop them back to back for several weeks. And then share these, share these podcasts with those who you think can benefit from this. Also check out the show notes where we'll have all the, the data, the references, the studies uh, that we include in to support this information. Check me out over at drgoodyear.com, my personal brand website. Check me out at brio-medical.com where I'm medical director. We have an incredible team there that look forward to helping you should we need to, to help build a legacy of healing. Also check us out over at dr.goodyear.com, Instagram, and wherever you follow social media, that's where we'll be. Bringing you hope, bringing you truth, and bringing you hopefully a legacy of wellness not one of disease. Dr. Good, you're signing off from, and I'm California in the Radfest 2023. Look forward to coming to you very, very soon. Actually gonna be in interviewing uh, John Cottonzaro for take two from NeoBio7. We're gonna be talking about some very interesting things that I think you'll see the cutting edge of where natural, holistic, and integrative medicine is in the treatment of cancer and disease. For more information just like what we discussed today, I encourage you to follow us on YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio streaming platforms. And in there, we'll talk about all things related to healing, wellness, cancer, and much, much beyond because it doesn't just apply to cancer. Our goal here is to turn to healing, restore health, and promote your wellness. Whether that greatest obstacle to wellness being cancer or any other named disease, our goal is your wellness. I'm Dr. Nathan Goodyear, and enjoy our future podcast at Practicing with Dr. Goodyear.